group who've been here and have been working hard, studying well, working well uh, together. And it's a further privilege then to be able to be with you here on the Lord's Day, and particularly for myself to be able to open God's Word with you. Let me bring to you the greetings of Grace Church Yates. Uh, we do pray for you and remember you often. And of course, especially we bring to you the greetings of Bola and Vicky. I did specifically ask them, I said, is there anyone particularly you want us to bring your greetings to? Share our love with everyone, uh, they said. So uh, the love of Bola and Vicky comes to you all. We know you, you miss them very much and your loss is very much uh, our gain. But uh, know that they still uh, love you very much. <laughs> You have prepared them well to serve us well. So we're grateful for that. We're grateful for that. Do have your Bibles open with me to uh, Jeremiah, the prophecy of Jeremiah. I want to take as our text this morning just one verse, verse 20, although we will consider some of the context as we go through. But Jeremiah chapter 38 and verse 20. I've got a New King James open here, but... We read these words, Jeremiah to King Zedekiah. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live, or your life shall be spared. To obey or not to obey, that is the question. Now, some of you will not understand the reference that I'm making there. Perhaps some of you have heard of... Uh, a man called William Shakespeare. I had to study some of one of his plays at school uh, called Othello. William Shakespeare's plays are usually very sad. Uh, to spoil Othello, everyone dies at the end of the play. Uh, but there's another play which he wrote called Hamlet. And I'm not very familiar, really, with what goes on in the play of Hamlet. But there's one thing that uh, is quite famous from that play. And it is this man, Hamlet, and he's making a speech in this play. And he's asking himself this question. To be or not to be, that is the question. In other words, should I live or should I die? He's weighing up the options of life and death. And in typical Shakespeare style, giving a rather gloomy outlook uh, to life. Better to live or better to die? Well, King Zedekiah in this chapter here has also got a life or death question which he needs to weigh up. But it's all related to the matter of obedience. Will he live or will he die? Will he obey or will he not obey? That is the key question that he was being asked and that is the key question that we must be asked this morning. What is the context of this passage? Well, the year is roughly 580 B.C. Gone are the days of King David and King Solomon, the glory days of Israel. Since then, the nation has split into two. And the northern tribes, they quickly abandoned the worship of God. And 150 years previous to this, uh, the Assyrian army had come and they'd swept away the northern tribes and they were never going to be recovered uh, the southern area then, Judah, were heading very much in the same direction. They had gone downhill too over those years. Uh, they were worshipping idols. They weren't listening to the prophets that God had sent them. And thus, God's judgment was coming upon them. Jeremiah was God's prophet in this time. And Jeremiah had been preaching for years that God was going to send his judgment upon them. The Babylonians were coming. This army was going to take them away. But no one bothered to listen. 
No one cared for Jeremiah and his message. Until one day, the Babylonians turned up. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians, he got rid of King Jehoiakim, and he got his own king in place, King Zedekiah. And Nebuchadnezzar's hope was that King Zedekiah would give tribute to him, would be a king subject to him. But King Zedekiah thought that he would rebel against King Nebuchadnezzar. He stopped paying tribute to him. And surprise, surprise, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't too happy about that. And so he sends a massive army to besiege the capital city, Jerusalem. Zedekiah is now very unsure of what to do. They've been besieged for quite some time. There's no food left. People are dying in the city. They're not able to hold out for much longer. And in this context, then, King Zedekiah calls for God's prophet Jeremiah. He wants to know what God will say into this situation. And he's hoping that Jeremiah will be positive. God is going to get rid of the Babylonians. God had done mighty things in the past, in, in the reign of King Hezekiah of Judah, when the Assyrians had come up with Sennacherib. God had wiped out thousands and thousands of soldiers in one night. And King Sennacherib had been sent off, packed back to Assyria, having lost that battle by God's mighty victory on behalf of his people. And Zedekiah perhaps is hoping that, that God will have some such message through Jeremiah. Jeremiah tells him it's a vain hope. God has no such plan for him. We read this, don't we, in verse 17. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then you shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. In other words, your only hope of survival, Zedekiah, is to surrender to the Babylonians. And if you don't surrender, your city will be burnt and you will be killed. And so firstly, I want you to observe this. Note that King Zedekiah is given a clear choice. A clear choice. It's not very difficult, is it? Obey by surrendering and your promised life. Disobey by not surrendering and your promised death. It's not very complicated, is it? There's not a multiplicity of options Surrender and live or die. It's a yes-no question. It's a, it's a T-junction choice. You know where you, you're driving along the road and you either turn left or you turn right. There's no road straight on. Two options. What will he choose? And there's no sort of hidden terms and conditions. So if you've ever seen an advert before and it gives you this wonderful offer, but then you see the little writing, terms and conditions apply. Things aren't quite what they seem at the outset. But there's no little terms and conditions that God sets in this. It's very simple. Obey and live, disobey and die. I want you to note that this choice that Zedekiah is given is in the mercy of God. God has already given to the people a choice and they have failed to obey him. You can look back at Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 1. This is what God has already said to the people. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you'll put away your abominations, their sin, out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. In other words, judgment will not come upon you if you turn to me, if you put your idols away. But they disobeyed that command. They had continued to disobey the Lord. 
And this then is God's kindness. As we come to this point, God is giving another opportunity to obey his voice. But now his call is different. Now his message is this. Surrender. A judgment is already coming upon them. Now his only option is to surrender. I want to suggest to you this morning that we are also granted a similar merciful choice from God. The Bible repeatedly tells us that to obey leads to life and to disobey leads to death. We see this right at the beginning in creation with Adam and Eve. They were not permitted to eat from one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they obeyed that command and didn't eat from it, they would live forever. But if they disobeyed it, they would die. And what happened? Well, they disobeyed. And so, therefore, death entered this world. We see the same, then, in what God tells the people of Israel. Again, this is the the context of the nation. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me read you these verses from verse 15 of that chapter. God says this through his prophet Moses. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. Obey, and you shall live. Disobey, and you shall die. And interestingly, we see the Lord Jesus reiterate the same when he's asked a question about eternal life. A lawyer comes to him, we read in Luke chapter 10, and asks him how he might obtain eternal life. And Jesus asks him, what's your reading of the law? In other words, how do you understand it from the Old Testament? And he says, well, if I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if I love my neighbor as myself, then we have life. And Jesus says this in verse 28 of Luke 10, do this and live. Do this and live. But was that really the message that Jesus was giving to him? Can we really do that and live? Can we really love God with all our heart? Can we really love our neighbor as ourselves? The truth is we can't. And Jesus wanted the lawyer to recognize that. Do this and live. But the truth is it's impossible because we've all already broken God's law. And we need to face up to that fact. We've already disobeyed. We're already due death and perishing and God's judgment. And like Zedekiah, we're well past that point of being able to escape God's judgment. But here is the good news. God in his mercy gives us another opportunity. And again, we must obey his command. And this time, like Zedekiah, the command is different. This is a gospel command. The New Testament uses this language. We read these words in uh, 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. It says this, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, that is as believers, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Unbelievers who have not obeyed the gospel of God. Well, what is this command? The gospel command is very much the same as the command that was given to Zedekiah. Not to try harder, to fight better, but to surrender. That's why we read earlier from Romans and chapter 3. It's so clear there, isn't it? 
as was read to us from verse 20, we're told explicitly, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. That is in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law convicts us. We're guilty before God. So how is, how is it then that we can obey God? How is it that we may yet live? Well, the verses go on, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all due judgment, but we can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has died. He has suffered God's judgment on our behalf if we will put our trust in him. You see, Jesus has done everything that is needed for us to be saved. He is the one who now offers life to us if we will only surrender to him. Jonathan was giving that children's talk there about recognizing Jesus as king. And that's what this is all about. You need to recognize that Christ is king. He is the savior king. And you must bow the knee to him. Surrender to him. So often we make the mistake, though, of Zedekiah. We're convinced that we need to fight harder. Hope that yet will be good enough. I want to put it to you this morning that that is no longer an option for you. All you need to do is to stop doing and start believing, trusting in Christ. If God asked us to run a marathon... And that way we would enter the kingdom of heaven. We'd go and do it, wouldn't we? If God said you need to climb the highest hill and, and, and dive to the bottom of the ocean, and then you'll be saved, well, off we would go and do it, wouldn't we? But God simply says, believe in my son Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And yet we won't do it. It's so simple. It's so clear. And yet we won't do it. And how foolish that is because the consequences are so massive. Think about Zedekiah again in the decision that's put before him, not only is his own life at stake, but the whole city. Read of this in verse 18, don't we? If you don't surrender, the city will be given into the hands of the the Chaldeans, and they're going to burn it with fire. And later on, he talks about how all his wives and all his children will be taken away by the army as well. So the decision that he makes is going to to affect uh, many. It's, It's a massive consequence to the decision he makes. I wonder if you've considered the massive consequences to this decision. Eternal life or eternal death. What will you choose? Will you obey or will you not? And let me ask you here as God's people, Christians here, we need this as well, do we not? Some of us have been studying this week, studying the Bible, how to understand it better, how to read it well. But it's not just about knowing the Bible. It's not just about understanding it in all its riches. This is one thing that we've not had a chance to, to really express uh, throughout this week. Knowing the Bible is great, but that knowledge must lead to obedience. There's no good knowing what God says unless we actually do what God says. I mentioned Yesterday, briefly, those who were here, the, the, the epistle, to, uh, epistle of James. And that whole epistle could be summarized. Don't just hear the word, do the word. Perhaps we have obeyed the gospel call already. But don't we face that crossroads every day? Will we serve Jesus or not? Will we succumb to sin or will we be obedient 
to Christ. Because sin still has consequences, even for us as Christians. Not the same disaster, but guilt. Hurt that comes upon others. Distance between us and God. Obedience is so important. Will we obey or not? To obey or not to obey? That is the question. And what a clear and obvious choice it is. But here's the second thing then. Although it is a clear choice, it feels like a complex choice. It feels like it's a complicated choice. And for Zedekiah, the answer seems so obvious, doesn't it? (laughs) Why wouldn't you choose life? Of course one would want to choose life. But put yourself in Zedekiah's shoes for a moment and see how he begins to make this clear choice rather complicated for himself. As he begins to to consider his real-life situation, he likes the idea of life, but it's this obedience to this command part of surrendering that he really finds very hard. Let me suggest you three things that are a blockage to him obeying the command of God. Firstly, doubt. Doubt. Look at verse 19. Zedekiah says to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and abuse me. Jeremiah says, verse 20, they shall not deliver you. He reveals he's afraid that certain Jews who have already defected to the Babylonians, they've already surrendered. And Zedekiah is saying, well, I'm, I'm afraid of what they're going to do if I surrender. They might mock me. They might abuse me in some way. The reason, of course, being that Zedekiah had been very determined not to surrender, and then he would be changing his mind. Jeremiah gives him this promise. No, they they won't. They won't abuse you. And this really was just a silly excuse. Zedekiah couldn't bring himself to fully believe the word of God. And he had no reason to doubt the word of God, did he? At this point, remember, Jeremiah has said, the Babylonians are coming, the Babylonians are coming, the Babylonians are coming. And everyone said, no, they're not. And then the Babylonians came. God's word was proved to be true. Zedekiah knew that. And the very reason that he's called Jeremiah proves that he knew Jeremiah was a real prophet who spoke the words of God. But he can't bring himself to believe God's words. And so it is with the gospel. God says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we begin to doubt it. Well, what if it's a hoax? Is there a God at all? Perhaps we ask that first question. I I can't see him. Is there a God at all? And then maybe we ask, well, if there is a God, will he really forgive sin? What if there's there's those terms and conditions again which, which one can't see? Maybe he'll turn against me in the end. What if I miss out on enjoying this world? What if there really isn't a hell after all? And so, seeds of doubt are sown in our minds. We make a clear choice complex. The truth is, God is never wrong. All of God's prophecies have always come to pass. And we have much less reason to doubt God's word than Zedekiah did. We live post the coming of Christ. We live post the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we read in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him are men to the glory of God. God's word has been proven to be true time and time again. And has all been proven to be true in Jesus Christ, who has prophesied to come, who has prophesied to die, who has prophesied to rise again. It's all happened. Do we still doubt God and his word? Doubt. But then there's also fear. Fear. Zedekiah was afraid. He was afraid of the the Jews who'd already surrendered, but he was also afraid of his own friends, the men who were around him. 
We read, didn't we, those, those later verses. He, he, he speaks to Jeremiah and says, keep this a secret, this conversation we've had together. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't let them know that we've been talking. Don't let them know that I've been inquiring of the Lord. Why? Because he's scared of his own friends. These princes, they hated Jeremiah. In the previous, chap- uh, in the previous verses from chapter, one, uh, chapter 38, verse 1 through to verse 13, you read about how uh, they cast Jeremiah into this dungeon of a pit. And they leave him there basically to die. And it's only one of the God-fearing servants in the household of the king who actually rescues Jeremiah. They'd already tried to kill him. They, they it seems, are, are more determined not to surrender than Zedekiah is. And so he's scared. What, if I surrender, what are they going to think? What are they going to do? Oh, how fear can be a great distraction from obedience to God's commands. We're scared. Scared of our friends. Scared of our family. Scared of what other people will think of us. Let us not forget then 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. God honors those who honor him. Think for a moment of a scout. You know, these big football teams, they send scouts to, to other football teams to look for a new player, perhaps, to see how well they play in a team. And we'd imagine for a moment the football match is going on. There's a whole crowd there. And there's a certain player that a scout is looking out for. Whose opinion matters most? Not his teammates. Not all the crowd that are there. But the scout who's watching him to see if he's a good enough player to join a different team. Whose thinking matters most with our lives? Is it our friends? Is it our family? Is it our work colleagues? Is it those around us? No. It is God. His opinion is the only opinion that matters of our lives. Let not fear keep us from obedience. And God will honor us, and God will keep us, and God will preserve us if we step out in faith for him. Doubt, fear, and pride. Pride is a great blockage, perhaps the biggest blockage to obeying God's commands. There's nothing more humbling, is there, for a king than to have to surrender to another king. And this was worse for Zedekiah because he'd been so adamant all along that he was never going to surrender. And now he, he's at the point where he's being told if, if he's going to live, he's going to have to surrender. That's the only option. We, we hate it, don't we? We hate saying that we're wrong at the best of times. Have you ever had this experience? You know that you're wrong about something and somebody points it out to you, but you still stand up for what you said in the first place. You come up with all kinds of lame excuses and pathetic arguments to try and back up your point of view. You know that you're wrong, but you just can't back down. And that's Zedekiah here. Pride is in his heart. To surrender is a a difficult thing for him to do. Pride, though, is the most foolish reason to disobey God's command. And it brings the ruin of so many souls. We want to believe that we're right, don't we? We want to think, I can fix things in my own life myself. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. To listen to Him is is just weakness. I can make it myself. And that's what the world teaches us, isn't it? Believe in yourself. Make it yourself. Climb yourself. Do it yourself. But self must be broken if you're going to obey the command of God. Pride must be broken. God must make an end of self if we are going to obey the gospel command. We must be confronted with our sin, sin that we cannot deal with, sin that will most certainly bring us judgment unless we find Christ. 
Because we cannot pay the price of sin ourselves. There's only one, Jesus Christ. Do you see then how this apparently obvious choice suddenly becomes so complicated? Doubt, fear, and pride bring darkness upon your path. Which way do I turn, left or right? And before we know it, we're heading on the path that leads to the edge of the cliff. Life in the future seems so far away. Eternity, why do I need to think about eternity? I've got so much to think about here and now. Just then, as these three things also prevent many from coming to Christ, do we not find this ourselves as Christians? We forget the future. We complicate these things, don't we? I've got to cheat my exams. It's the only way I'm going to pass them. We don't trust God. I've got to miss Sunday services. Can't imagine what my friends would say if I came every week. Fear. I don't need to pray about my plans for the future. I know how it's all going to work out anyway. Pride. We trust ourselves and doubt God. We fear men rather than fearing God. We're proud of ourselves and we're not humble before God. And our sins will only be tackled when we've got a bigger vision of God and a better vision of the future. A clear choice is given. We feel, though, that it's a complicated and complex choice. But, oh, I pray we might not do what Zedekiah does and makes a catastrophic choice. What is, what is Zedekiah's decision in the end, the option that's given to him? His decision is not to make a decision. And by not making a decision, he makes his decision. He doesn't surrender. All he does is he tells Jeremiah to keep quiet, doesn't he? He keeps Jeremiah safe. He believes that Jeremiah is a prophet, but he's uncommitted. And in his indecision, he's not willing to surrender. And so what do we read in verse 28? Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken. Jeremiah was still there, and what he prophesied came to pass. And if you read on in the passage... You find how Zedekiah tries to run away. He tries to escape, but he's captured. His sons are killed. His eyes are taken out, and he's carried off prisoner to Babylon. And there he dies. And I don't doubt that he's been dragged off to Babylon. He's thinking back to Jeremiah. He's saying, if only, if only I'd listened to Jeremiah the prophet. If only I'd obeyed what God had said me to do in the first place, I would be alive. But here I am on my way to death. And in his indecision, he lost the opportunity for life. Is that you this morning? Are you still undecided about the gospel command? You, you know the gospel message is true, but you just can't bring yourself to fully trust in Jesus, to completely surrender your all to him. You want to be king of your own life. You want to rule. You want to go your own way. And you cannot bring yourself to allow Christ to rule. You know what Jesus says to us? What a gentle and loving command in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here you are carrying the burden of your eternal future on your own back. That is, that is enough to crush anybody. Why would you do that to yourself? Why do you not hand that burden over to Christ? If you carry it yourself, you'll be crushed by it. Death is your only destination. But if you hand that burden over to Christ, will he not carry you through? As he, the God-man, is he not strong enough? Is he not able enough? 
So why will you still persevere and say, no, I'm strong enough, I can do it myself. Why do you not trust Christ? Why do you not respond to the invitation, come to me, I will give you rest? What a promise that is. Will you come? Indecision is disaster. The king can come at any moment. And that's what happens, isn't it? One day, Zedekiah in his indecision, should I obey, should I not obey, I don't know. And then one day, Nebuchadnezzar broke through the walls of Jerusalem, and that was it. End of decision time. His decision was made for him. It was too late. One day, King Jesus is going to come back, and he will break into this world. And I pray you won't be one who's in indecision on that day, because it will be too late. And so I plead with you, like Jeremiah pleaded with Zedekiah, obey the voice of the Lord which I, shall, I speak to you, so it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live. Don't put it off. Don't assume, oh, I'll be back here next week. Look into it a little bit more. Don't assume that. Our life can be taken in a moment. And I urge you then to take the path of life. Surrender your efforts. Repent of your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear Christian here this morning, let me encourage you as I encourage myself, continue to rest in Christ. What a joy that our eternal future is secure in His hands. If we have surrendered to Him, if He is King, then our eternity is in His hands and it cannot be taken from us. His promise shall stand firm. And since then we're resting in Him. Let us follow that next command that Jesus gives to us, to take His yoke upon us. If Christ has obeyed God for us in going to the cross and providing salvation for us, if He's fulfilled all righteousness for us, should we not want to obey Him? If He's our King, should we not want to follow Him? In the light of His obedience for us then, let us delight to swiftly obey Him. And why would we not want to? Does Christ not only promise blessing and reward for all who do so? Let us not have indecision affecting our pursuit of obedience to Christ's commands. He demands immediate obedience. Let our obedience to him thus be immediate. We sang, didn't we, earlier, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let your conscience instruct you. Let God's word guide you. Let the Spirit prompt you. And thus I plead with each and every one here again, verse 20, please obey the voice of the Lord which I speak to you, so it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live. Amen. We'll sing our last hymn together, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow and Night. <laughs>